If you've ever been a renter, you know it's stressful to find a place with everything you love and nothing you don't. But did you know Zillow does rentals? It makes the search so easy. They have filters for pretty much everything, so you can find that place that's in your budget, but also isn't a shoebox. Or a place that's close to your parents, but far enough they have to call first. Plus, it's easy to apply, request tours, and pay rent in the app. Head to ZillowRentals.com and find your sweet spot. Hello and welcome to the GC Sunscast, a Gold Coast Suns show for fans by the fans. I'm your host Shane and joining me on the line is Tom. Tom's been very busy this week with all his player profiles. So come and join us, Tom, and tell us how you've been with all that. Yeah, g'day Shane, how you going? Um, yes, the profiles... Uh it it, it seemed, didn't seem like so much at the beginning, but <laughs> we're uh, I think we're seven or eight in, uh, concentrating on backline this week, uh, so we can have a bit of a chat about it. Uh, haven't covered all of the backline yet because there there are so many new players to the backline, and of course we already know about the fellas who are already on the list. So uh, hopefully later in the show we can get right into that and talk about who we think might be our our starting backline players. But um, yeah, happy to. Happy to share what I've researched in the past and what I'm researching now. Uh, very excited about this list and, and people want to know about players who they haven't heard much about. Yeah, well, Suns fans are absolutely loving it on their Facebook pages, so that's fantastic. Um, if you want to check us out, we're over at facebook.com forward slash Sunscast, or this episode is brought to you by our Patreon donors. So you can reach out to us at patreon.com forward slash GC Sunscast to donate to help out, help us out and help fund some equipment. So the donors or the show is presented to you by Old Soul, Jack's dad, Paul Vosti, Tom Kim and James Wood. So thank you very much to our donors. Well, without any further ado, let's get on to the show. We've got a big one for you today. We'll kick off with a bit of news. Uh, we've got to discuss some of the rule changes coming into effect this season. We've already seen a bit of it in the AFL's women, so we'll discuss how we think it's going to affect the Gold Coast Suns this year. And we're going to have a chat about the backline or what the backline would look like in 2019. After all, we've lost a key player in Stephen May and also, to a lesser extent, Cade Collar-Jasney from our defensive line. And it's looking a bit bare there, but we've got a lot of new faces. So that's going to be an interesting one. We'll finish up with any questions. So if you've got any questions, jump on, let us know. We are live. You can, can talk to us on Spreaker and ask any questions, and we'll try and get back to you by the end of the episode. So without further ado, let's get into the news. Tom, what's the number one news article for you today? Well, uh Normally, we'd be up and about about uh, talking about new signings for the AFL Suns men's team. But this week, we signed our very first women players to the AFLW team. Of course, we've already got an AFL, a QAFLW team, but this is the AFLW team contracts uh, where they're actually getting paid. Um, and, and three players, uh, one from Cairns, one from Townsville, and one from the Gold Coast, which is kind of 
uh, nice little synergy there because those are our three main sort of player nurseries. And um, I won't go through all the names and stuff because, trust me, in the next couple of weeks there's going to be a lot more players named. Um, there's a couple of player uh, AFL Suns player sisters who I'm looking forward to getting signed up. So uh, we'll, we'll keep... We'll keep everyone posted as to all those details, but uh, on the Suns website, you can you can have a look at the the I won't call them girls because they've signed to the women's team now, um, and and congratulations to them. One more piece of news: a big hot gossip in the AFLW is Adelaide Crows AFLW Premiership winning coach Beck Goddard. She quit the club before this season, and she is odds-on favourite to be the next. Should, well, not to be the next, to be the first AFLW Suns coach. Um, she quit the Crows because they didn't have a pathway to men's the men's coaching or the men's team coaching. So um, that that will be what the Suns will have to put on the table to say that she she can coach the women's team, but they know that she's looking for an assistant coach job in the AFL men's team. So if we can do that, she'll sign up, and she is the best coach going around. Well, that sounds interesting. We've got another Suns team starting up again from scratch and hopefully bigger and better things will happen for the AFL Suns women and they can hopefully get a better start to their career and their season uh, than what the men's team did uh, nine years ago now. Yeah, they'll learn a few lessons uh, this time around because, I mean, same club and same management of the, of the, the current team. Um, I think we're building some big things, not just in the, the, the men's AFL team, but the juniors, the academies, and, and this AFLW team, they want to get out there and they want to win it straight away. Yeah, well, in other big news, we spoke about it last week, the, the culture around the club, and one of the leaders in that culture has re-signed until 2020, 20, sorry, 2022. <laughs> so... Took Miller, congratulations, and it's great to have him on board for another three years. It's Miller time. Yeah. He, he may be our next captain. Uh, it, it could happen. You, you seem to think it, it's, it, it might not be the uh, favourite swallow. So Miller's sort of the second favourite amongst the fans. Uh, he'll certainly be up there in the leadership group when that gets announced sometime in the next week or two. Yeah, so that's really good. Uh, now that makes uh, Miller, Wits, and Swallow the recent players to re-sign all for long-term contracts. So the stability of the club is really getting there. Uh, in the injury news, we have Holman, who's on a modified program still because of back soreness suffered at the end of last year. And new Suns recruit Corey Ellis has a groin history from his time at the Tigers, and he's also on a modified program just to ensure nothing flares up there. Uh, and to finish up, Jack Leslie, who we've spoken about before, who had knee surgery last year, he's back running, but is still yet to join the main group. So things are looking good on the injury front. Uh, fingers crossed, nothing bad happens. Touch wood. Certainly a lot better, a lot better than other clubs. You read, you read about clubs who haven't players going down with potential season-ending injuries. Um, former Suns player, Harley Bennell's broken down again, you know, it, uh, and another former Sun player, Stephen May, will be out for the rest of the preseason, possibly. Uh, we're, we're, we're lucky so far, touch wood, as you say. Yeah, 
All right. Well, in other news, Jared Harbrow is the only Gold Coast Suns player to be named to play AFLX. He was selected by Eddie Betts as part of Team Deadly and the Aboriginal team. So that's good to see. Um, besides that, I don't know if there's much more interest to pay attention to AFLX. No. Good on your Harbs. Um, what a what a great honour, and he deserves to be there. But just don't get injured, mate. <laughs> we need you. And to top it off, we do have some intra-club and practice match news. Uh, the Gold Coast Suns will be having an intra-club game at Metricon Stadium on Thursday, the 14th of February at 3pm. So anyone around the area wants to go and watch the Suns play, you know, have a look at some of the positions, see if anything's different, you know, let us know how you go. Um, and then on February the 23rd, the Gold Coast Suns will play Brisbane. We believe it's at Metricon as well in another trial match. So the Suns are getting out there, trying to get some match fitness before the JLT kicks off in early March. Mm, yeah, that's terrific. And um, it would be very, very interesting at this early, early stage to see some of those new guys get out there. Last year, of course, we had the AFLX, which we saw some new guys get into action the first time we got to see Young and Holman get to play. And, of course, Sam Day come back from injury, which is like a new player. Um, this will be a good chance to see these new guys run out in Suns colours for the first time in a competitive game against Brisbane, who, you know, we, we, they're our arch rivals. And especially this year, there's a lot a lot on the line when it comes to Brisbane. And how fantastic, though, that they, 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 they put the, you know, Queensland first and uh, they've announced that extra practice match, which we're going to need to gel our team. Yeah, as much match fitness as we can get. We're expecting a lot of new players in the side and we're going to see that as we discuss the the backline this episode. And the plan will be to discuss a different position every episode leading up until the probably going to be the first round of, of uh, the season. Uh, at this stage, we'll be planning to have a new episode every couple of weeks. So there will always be something to talk about. Uh but one of the big things to talk about this season is the rule changes in the AFL. The biggest one is the 666 rule. For those not familiar with that, essentially every AFL team must have six players in the forward line, the defensive line, and the middle of the field by the t- uh, at every centre bounce. So inclu- in so- included into that, one player... Uh, one forward and one defender will be required to stay inside the goal square, and only three, four players will be allowed inside the centre square at the bounce, forcing two players, one on the wings, one on each of the wings, to hold back, and that's just going to clear up that congestion. But mm. at the same time, I predict that we're going to see a lot of speed required in the AFL as coaches right. will look to position their fastest players on the wings and the flanks to come in as fast, hard and fast as they can and provide as much support. Well, one, one of the tactics last year, it's been a tactic for a long time, but uh, one, one of the telling tactics, and I think against us especially, was a, a, a big winger from the opposition team was coming off the, the, the bottom of, the, of the, the, the centre square. Well, they won't be allowed to do that. They've got to come off the side. And it makes a bit of difference for, for momentum. 
You know, if you're if they're if they're managing to get the opposition is managing to get a four on three, uh, you know, four on three midfielders outnumbering them and then getting it getting it into attack, you're going to get beaten every time with the winger who's supposed to be manning up, which you know. Uh, they, they, they can't exactly follow their, their opponent everywhere. But this in this instance, we're going to see winger on winger manning up on either side of the square, and there's going to be open territory so, everywhere. It's going to be fantastic. How do you reckon it's going to impact the Suns in particular, Shane? Um, well, like I just said, the, the six on six, it's going to force the our fastest players, blokes like Murdoch, who... Is all about speed from everything we've heard since he's come to the club. Um, he he's going to be positioned on a half forward flank, you would think, uh, or half back flank actually, from all the rumours floating around. Mm. Uh, and there, blokes like that are just going to be running in to provide as much support and as much team team balance as they can. Uh, it's going to be interesting for defend forwards, I think, because. We're not going to see that, you know, seven or eight uh, opposition defenders flooding the flooding our forward line. So it will mm. open up and give blokes like Pete, uh, Two Meter Peter and Sam Day, and who knows, maybe Chris Burgess will cement a spot in the forward line or Jack Lacocious. They're going to mm. have that time and space to work, and on top of that, there's going to be more space at ground level for the superstars coming along such as Isaac Rankin, to just work his magic. So exactly. it's, it's, it's going to be really interesting. And yeah, well, imagine, imagine if Termita Peter or, or Sammy Day is chopping out in the ruck and perhaps the, the ratio of, of first and second ruck might go back to something more like 70% to, to 30%. Well, if you're doing 30% of the ruck work, you're going to be spending time on the bench and you're probably going to be wanting to spend time one out in the goal square well, if you have to go to the goal square at every bounce, that's like a resting forward. But if the ball comes in and lands on your head, you, you, you're going to have the advantage. So, you know, there's there's a lot of um, reverting back to the past, back to the old days of a, of a of a big, burly full forward who might get on his bike occasionally, but is usually stuck in the forward 50. Yeah, and close to and, goal. And to counter that, I mean, we've seen from the first few weeks of the women's matches that in the midfield, the teams with less of a, a gruntish midfield struggle. So clearly, that's also going to have an effect. The Suns aren't renowned for having a strong midfield in the past. I'm optimistic that we do have a strong midfield now with the amount yeah. of players that can rotate through there. We should always have someone fresh in the middle. So I'm optimistic that it's not going to affect us too much. But if injuries hit and things go south as they have in previous years... We could really feel some pain in the middle of the ground and there could be some serious blowouts. So that's the other side to it. There is, but I, I think, we've, think we've got a, a, a few young players who bulked up a bit over the off-season and they're, they're, they're third, fourth and fifth-year players now and they really ought to be able to bash up a few midfields and they ought to be able to take a bit of a flogging from some of the, the best midfields that are out there and, and, and then dish it back out to them. So... In the past, when we've been been sort of rolled over by a team like Collingwood or, or Richmond or the West Coast, we, we need to be able to stand up toe-to-toe to them. And I reckon these new rules will actually allow us to do it. It'll just change the makeup. We're not going to have the, the little young guys in there 
getting getting smashed all the time. We're going to have a few different combinations and a few veterans getting in there and, and taking the hits so that the young guys can, can, can be fresh when it comes to tired legs in the third and fourth quarter. Yeah. Now, this is the backline episode, so let's look at the rule changes that are going to affect the defenders. The biggest ones are the kick-out rules. So, previously, uh, opposition players would stand five metres back from the eight-metre goal square. Now they're required to stand an extra five metres back. So, essentially, they're standing 18 metres out from this front of the goal. Now, in the past, players also would have to uh, kick it to themselves to be able to play on. That no longer happens. Players can just grab the ball as long as they're running out through the goals and not the, the behinds. They can play on. And, you know, until they pass that mark, then the opposition can't touch them. So that, that's really interesting. Um, whether they handball or kick, it doesn't matter. So blokes like Harbrow and Hanley, they're just going to be sprinting out of there as fast as they can and really try to upset the opposition who sort of, you know, would have... would Let's just say opposition teams will have to be on their game after yeah. a behind is kicked because if they're not quick to set up again, uh, it could be it could go down the other end very quickly. Well, we've seen it in the AFLW. There the, were the players who they, they could get as much as 40 metres out from, out from goal before they kick it. And by the time they kick it, it's gone past the, the centre circle. So, you know, that's amazing. You know, not, not even not even the best torps will go that far. So, you know, you, 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 instead of having to kick for distance, you can run for distance and then kick for accuracy or hand off, as you say, in a, in a hand pass because it doesn't have to be. You could, you could have someone going coast to coast by hand if you, if you, if you play it right. Um, I see this being a, a big win for the little guys because often in kickouts, it's the little guys who just get outmarked or outpositioned. But in this case, they, they're going to be able to run it out of there. Um, slight disadvantage for Pierce Hanley because th- this little rule, uh, it, it first changed to pl- the play on because, of course, in traditional footy, you could never play on from a kickout and you had to wait for the, the umpy to finish his stupid flag waving. Well, uh, well, well, well uh, we got this from Gaelic footy and Pierce Hanley's been one of the exponents of the play on, doing his little kick to himself. Everyone's kind of learnt it now, but we've, we've seen a few stuff ups over the years. Uh, but it's it's not necessary, you know. We, we're now used to the play on. Um, he'll still be one of the best exponents of it because he's a run and carry player. Um, he'll run, have a couple of bounces. He'll he'll he'll, he'll play he'll play on. Um, Jesse Joyce is one you didn't mention. I think he's a, a very accurate kick over that thirty to forty meter range. So. He'll be confident just to step just step over the line, draw the man on the mark, and then lay it on the chest of someone who's who's, who's leading for the ball. Um, but, you know that that's certainly something. And we'll we'll you know we'll have more tall players in our side this year than last year, so they'll be marking opportunities outside of fifty, where it's not so much of a danger of being intercepted and getting kicked back for a goal. Yeah, well, that's the other trend that we'll see is players. Uh, leading into that space, that uh, eighteen metre protected space, mm. and you know, allowing the short kick out, and then, I mean, that could also 
bring in that sort of uh, negative hold the ball, keep his off mindset that we have seen, which a lot of people aren't happy about in our game. And we've sort of seen that to an extent in the AFL women's. So, it, again, it could go either way. But optimistically, you'd like to think players will take the game on and try to get the ball down to the other end of the score as quickly as possible. But yeah. I wouldn't be surprised late in game when it's on the line, players do revert back to that hold-the-ball mentality. Now, I, think the, it'll, I think it opens itself up to a bit of sort of uh, more like NFL set plays kind of thing. So if you've got a, if you want to wipe a minute off the clock from a kick out, you 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 could put, you do it pretty easily because your opposition is gonna is not going to be crowding in. They're not gonna, they're not going to have a forward press. But if the opposition if the opposite is happening, your opposition has got everyone everyone they can forward of of of, of the midfield. Well, you're going to need to use the spacing close. And you're going to have to use it in creative ways, and I think that'll let it set, set itself up for set plays where you might see one of the bigger guys come in and shepherd for a play on. You're going to see a bit of hand passing back and forth and a bit of running football, and I, I can't wait. Yeah. So the only other noticeable rule that we've decided to pick out from the the pack of nine, there are more rule changes, but we're just focusing on the ones that we think are really going to affect the Suns. The yeah. other one is the hand in the back rule. So. No longer will players be penalised for just placing a hand in the back. Umpires are going to be looking for that pushing motion. So yeah. we have saw them try to implement that in previous seasons. Uh, more so with they'll look at whether things were a double motion, whether uh, Stephen May would, you know, shoulder a bloke out the way and then then run back to, to take a mark. And they'd look at that as two separate actions. Therefore, yeah. a free kick. So now they're looking at it as hands in the back are okay as long as there's no pushing, which will allow players forwards to protect their space by putting their hand out to stop their opponent coming back into their protected space. So that really works well for players that have a good football readability and, and can predict where the ball is going to land. So that, well, that's another thing that's really going to benefit the skilled footballers out there. Well, I'll just make one stat about that, and and that's uh, the big red fox. Have you been to Express lately? People can't get enough of their clothes. They're like insta-confidence boosters. The jeans come in a temp-control fabric that keeps you comfortable no matter the weather. And the T-shirts, hands down, they'll feel like they're made of the softest fabric you've ever worn. And get this, the suits have stretch and look sharp. Like, what? How do they do that? Everyone's raving about the newest looks from Express. Just check out the five-star reviews. See for yourself and shop the latest at Express.com and in stores. Fire engine, Rory Thompson. Um, in, in the past, he's been pretty even with his, his free kicks for and free kicks against. And you can't really blame him if he's on the wrong side of that ledger because it's kind of a... AFL's a kind of game where you, your tall defenders are eventually going to give away a free kick and it generally tends to get sent back over their head into a frigging goal. Well, last year, he got pinned 21 times in 17 matches. And his previous worst was nine times. And he only got given five free kicks when, you know, there were times when opposition players were absolutely mugging him, but, you know, key defenders don't get a lot of free kicks. So 
if if that if if that if a lot of those free kicks, if we can say at least half of those free kicks were were for you know that this rule would would mean that there's no longer a free kick, it could be as much as a goal a game advantage for us, especially considering there are other defenders getting pinged for it as well. So I'm all for it. Um, you know, it, it's going to mean that the full forwards are getting fewer free kicks. Good. All right. Well, now it's time for the episode for us to look at our defensive line. So let's start with our key position players. Generally, we go in, you would think we'd go in with two, possibly three key position players. Now, our key position depth this year involves Thompson, Leslie, Homsch, Collins, and then you could also throw in Burgess there, um, yep. uh, or, or Sam Day as being capable of playing that key position players. Am I missing anyone, Tom? Oh, Charlie Ballard, uh, who played second tall forward a lot last year. Uh, ben King, <laughs> number six draft pick. Um what do we say? Thompson, Burgess, Homsch, Leslie, Collins, Graham, Ballard, Sammy Day, potentially Ben King, and maybe even you could chuck Jack Lukosius in there because, you know, he, he, he may not find a, a role in the forward line uh, or maybe more comfortable as a defender as he develops. We have no end of talent at that position. Possibly uh, explains why my mate Dirk Conan didn't get graft, drafted. He's also in that group, and of course we could we could pull the trigger and, and select him in the preseason or the midseason. So we've got ten potential players at that spot. <laughs> yeah. So who do you think will be our key defenders? I mean, go into a game. You're a coach of the Gold Coast Suns. Obviously, it depends on our opposition, but you're going to have two key defenders to hold down your traditional post of full-back and centre-half-back. Um, and then you're going to have that third key defender that's always going to be on the cusp that you'll bring in if there's an injury or if you're playing a team like North Melbourne or Collingwood who are very tall down forward. Mm-hmm. So for me, I, I believe our number one key defender is Rory Thompson. We've yep. seen what he's been capable of. And as long as he's injury-free... He's a stalwart for the Gold Coast Suns Football Club. Mm. Um, I believe our new fellas, Jack Homsch and Sam Collins, comes in at two and three. I leaned more towards Homsch because of his AFL experience to sit in at number two and then Collins at number three. How do you feel? Well, Jack Homsch has has stood on all of the best full forwards and centre-half forwards in the AFL. So... And he hasn't disgraced himself either. So he's he's he, he's like Rory Thompson. He's kept Buddy Franklin to zero goals, um, and he gives away a lot of height and, and weight to Franklin too. So he, Homsch goes well, uh, but he's also an intercept defender, which Thompson usually gets the the main the, the main sort of opponent. So he, Thompson doesn't really get many possessions, and we don't need him to. Um, we need a guy like Jack Homsch to be able to come in and stand on a tall guy but know when to, to, to play off him and, and go in there and get those crucial intercepts. Um, well, well, that's the so, role Stephen May played. So, ideally, our second key defender to hold down that half-back, halfback position is going to be playing in that sort of mould. Yes. But so, I, do you but think Homsch or Collins is better suited to that? 
I actually think that that, that all, all three of those players that you mentioned will be in our back line. And the reason I say that is because, as you said, with, with May, he was playing that role and getting beaten every week. And it wasn't that he's a bad player. It's just that you can't be in two places at once. So you'd rather be... At, You'd rather have a player who's taller and 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 at more, more, you know heavier and more able to hold their, their ground than be going with two talls and and three sort of smaller medium play, or four smaller medium players. The the possibility there instead of three talls would be two talls and one tall on the bench, but you'd probably go be going with Sam Day or Chris Burgess who can play forward and back. Or might so, I might I jump in here with Charlie Ballard? He's a fan favourite, and he does that sort of role. He is right. capable of of being that sort of tall midfielder, which yep. is obviously the perfect sort of role to play as an intercept defender. Exactly, I see Ballard as a winger, and he played a lot of footy for us on the wing because he provides that tall marking option, and he, he he's he's very good with his disposal. So that's where I'd prefer him. I mean, my my preferred setup is to have is have is, is have your your ruckman and seven other talls, and you have five talls up the guts, and then your your uh, your seven or eight tall players. And when I say tall, I'm talking six five and up. And we've been playing with four or five players of that height, um, and that so that brings in the ballard. I mean, if we're playing a, a team that's pretty short, then we're not going to have that many tall players. It's, it's simple. But if we play a team like Richmond, their defenders are all very tall. They've got four tall defenders at any one time. So I don't see there, any, there being any problem with us having three. Okay. So, I mean, if we're going to have three tall defenders, we're going to have to take away from somewhere. Is it the small forwards or the midfielders? I mean, we've got Harbrow and Joyce who have consistently held down the small forward positions. So does yeah. that change? Um, I think if you go to three and three, three tall, three small, you go with, 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 with Joyce, Harbrow and Hanley as the smaller guys. Um, you, they're, they're, as you mentioned, there are guys like Jordan Murdoch who are in the running for a halfback flank position because of his pace. So I would say you play your horses for courses. If you're playing a team like Richmond, they're going to have two tall, damaging forwards and four little blokes. So you can't have three tall defenders trying to defend against that. Um, you're going to need a roaming tall guy, so you probably want to have a, a Ballard or someone on the bench. But you, I think we have the, the depth so that the back six is never going to be settled. If someone's not in form or they're injured, replace them. We've got plenty of guys to slot in. The, that's why Stuart Jew wants to have players who can play more than one position. So we've got our, our key position players all sorted, really. It's the sort of, you know, 16, 17 players around the rest of the ground who we need to find the right body for the right job. And I think we'll see that change from week to week from opponent to opponent. Yeah, there's definitely going to be a lot of rotating uh, in the side this year. I still don't think Stuart Jew settled on his best 22. A lot of players are still to be proven. They still need to, well, they still need to earn their their spot. And I think that's a, a theme they want to continue at the Suns, where players aren't gifted spots that they have to earn them. So, looking at that, the strategy that 
that the club takes for their backline is probably the more important aspect as that's going to then give us an idea of, of what sort of positions they're going to players are going to fill. Yeah. So the traditional strategy is your two key position players, two midfielder, uh, mid-tall sort of uh, rebounding flankers, and then your two small lockdown defenders. Does that change, or do we look to change it up with maybe that third intercepting defender and be a team where we sort of rely on getting that rebound from half-back to then move forward? Mm. We've got a lot of half-back flankers. Uh, It's funny because we've always had a lot of half-back flankers in our squad. Um, and then last year we started to run run short of fit and, and healthy halfback flankers. Um, well, I'm here to say we're we're back in the land of having plenty of players who can play off the halfback flank. And I guess it's you know what do we need? Do we need a speedster like Murdoch? Who I will say, Jordan Murdoch's played the majority of games for Geelong over about an eight year period, and he's very rarely had to go back to the VFL. And in a team like Geelong, that's that's saying something. And they only let him go because Gary Rowan from the Swans is a Geelong Falcons junior. And it's a, a, a very, very long tradition of, of Geelong Cats. If a Falcons player gets away from the draft, they wait until free agency or, or, or a trade comes up and they bring him back in. Um, they did that with Gary Hamlet Jr. Jr. Um, they, they, they've also, also got, got um, what's his face, Luke Dalhouse from, from the Bulldogs, who was a Geelong Falcons player. So, uh, without narrowing uh, on the cats, the point is Murdoch was a required player until they found a guy who plays a similar style. So, we, we've scored big time with him, uh, mate. We've got Harrison Wig yet to make his AFL debut, very highly rated. Uh, for years, we've got Jez McLennan, our, our, our draftee, who can play off the halfback flank. There's there's a whole bunch of guys in there who could do it. Do you want a little a, a, a little speedy uh, flanker like Jacob Heron? Um, you know, can Hanley play high halfback, or or is he required at the back pocket? Jesse Joyce isn't a small player, um, so you know I, I think we can find the right balance. But yeah, I think there are guys in there who are going to play a good game and then have no opponent potentially for the next week and find themselves in the needful. Yeah, it's it's very possible that that's going to eventuate. Um, I think uh, we'll, we'll be going with a very fast sort of back line. I, I do believe that we will have those two traditional key position players, but I imagine Heron... At, no, sorry, not Heron... Uh, Joyce and Harbrow will likely hold down the traditional posts in the, the small defensive line. Uh, I looked back to our round one defensive team last year and it was the back line was Harbrow, Thompson and Joyce. So I, I can't imagine those three changing. Now, the half-back line is what's going to be different. Who's going to fill that second KP, KPP? I believe that will be Homsch. And mm. then you've got your halfback flankers, and I believe that's where the variety will come each and every week. I think it's going to be a very fast halfback flank line. I expect to see Jordan Murdoch there from everything I've been hearing from the club, 
And then you'd expect someone like Pierce Hanley to be playing there if he's not on the wing. But as we, if we look through the depth of the side, you could probably pick a majority of the team that's been capable of playing that halfback flank role. Everyone like Swallow and Tuke Miller can play that halfback line. You've also got uh, a lot of our forwards are capable of playing off that halfback flank. So it, that's a very flexible position. But then you also have your your bench player or another player on the ground that can swing into that position. We usually have Sam Day capable of swinging in to be a KPP. Mm. But now we've got players like Ballard who are capable of swinging between basically any position on the field. They're true utility players. I believe Chris Burgess is another one of those. So we've got a lot of flexibility and I think that's going to be the key for the Gold Coast Suns in 2019. Yeah, every player well, every player has to be able to play at least two positions on the ground. Well, because we've got this depth and so far the, the injury toll is, uh, is you know, nobody's out for round one even. So 46 players to choose from. That's 23 players in the AFL team and 23 players in the NEFL team. So, you know, with the one extra non-playing reserve. So the that NEFL team is going to be chock-a-block full of AFL-caliber players all playing with the intent on breaking into the, the senior team. So no one's going to be able... You know, zero players in that AFL team are, be, are going to be able to afford to go through a form slump or, or, or to be you know, incapable of doing the role that, has, that they've been selected for. You know, even some of the senior players... I wonder if maybe the time's come for them, some of those senior players to probably put their hand up and say, yeah, I'm, I'm just not going so well. I, I need to go back to the NEFL, knowing that there's a, an absolute gun ready to go there. Um, last year we had uh, the, everyone getting on the Michael Barlow bandwagon saying that he should be put up. I think we've got a much better, much better midfield this time around. Um, and there will be three or four midfielders knocking on the door. There's going to be four or five key defenders playing out of position. Some of them playing out of position because you can't have, you know, there's so many of them. You can't put them all on the same team. It's just going to be great for the for the, the the competitiveness of the week in week out selections. When you have injuries, you have form slumps, you have issues, you have match up problems. And to be able to change three or four names on that team sheet every week is a real strength for Jew and, and the selection panel. Okay. Well, the episode's just about to come to a close, Tom. Are you confident in picking a back six right now for a defensive? Yeah. I had Leslie because he's an incumbent, but the injury makes me worry about him. So I, I haven't put him in there. I have got Rory Thompson, Jack Hompsch as the two talls, I have got Charlie Ballard as the third tall, Pierce Hanley, Jared Harbrow, and Jesse Joyce as the smaller defenders. And I believe Michael Ricciatelli will be on the bench as that as that seventh defender. Um, I don't think the coaching staff are going to be ready from round one to to, to not have a leader like him in, in, in a mix. What, what do you reckon? Yeah, it's a very controversial pick with Riscatelli. A lot of people believe that he's finished and he should be focusing on coaching in the NEFL. 
Others believe he's still got a little bit more to give on the field and the, the AFL team is in desperate need of the experience. So I'm a bit on the fence on it. Uh, I don't want to disrespect Riscatelli. He's been a fantastic stalwart for the club. Uh, I would suggest that our AFL listeners uh, jump onto our Facebook page if they haven't already and look at the Michael Riscatelli uh, player profile you wrote up earlier in the week. So that will be on our Facebook. Now... Before we go, we do have a listener question that we got a couple of weeks back but just haven't been able to get around to. So this is from The Sun God. He asks, who is the one player the Suns can't afford to lose to injury? Now, this got me really thinking and I'm going to have to go with Jared Witts. I know I'm a bit of a fanboy for Jared, but um, <laughs> I can't help it. I was a ruckman throughout my junior career and... I've just got a thing with Ruckmans. I admire them so much. And well, I don't think Gold Coast stats, have... What, how tall exactly are you? You've, you've hinted at 6'5 before. 6'6". Uh, six, six. There you go. So uh, you are a tall one. I, I am a tall one. one. My natural best position, though, was a, a forward, a full forward, pinch hitting in the Ruck. I, uh, so... I, I, I didn't make too many good decisions in the thick of things. And it was <laughs> best when I could just grab the ball and focus on what's in front of me, and that was the big sticks. It's so, better me. I was, a back, I was a back pocket for the Labrador Tigers, and the only time I kicked a goal was when I ran to the wrong end after halftime oranges, and the ball came to me, and it didn't quite go through the goal, so I picked it up and kicked it through with no opposition whatsoever. And I think we were already ahead by about 90 points. Um, I, I, uh, I, I agree that Wits is one of those guys, but I'm going to put Jack Martin as the one that we really can't afford to lose. Because when we did lose him last year, things didn't go well for us. And uh, he is coming into the best form of his life, uh, of his career, and uh, it's, a, it's a contract year for him as well. So if he's going well and the Suns are going well, you'd think he's going to sign up. Um, but, yeah, totally agree with you. Wits is, is invaluable. If he goes down, we're, we're in trouble. Um, do you think there's anyone else... To add to the list, um, at this stage, no. I it, it took me a while to think about this, but in the end, I just felt we we've suffered from having a lot of our key players out in the past, and we've managed to build up players that can f- fill that role at least temporarily. I think if mm. Wits goes down, I don't think we've got any option. Uh, Nichols, sure, but he's had a bit of a injury history over the last few years and you know it's been a couple of years since he's played AFL so we just don't know how he's going to be able to come back and definitely not dominate to the extent that Wits has. Wits is also our highest ranked player ratings player thanks to champion data. Uh, As far as Jack Martin goes I think Jack Martin has he's certainly a vital asset to the Suns but he's never cemented down the position and made that position his own to the point where we don't have anyone that could cover him if he was to get injured. We d- that is the case with Wits. We don't have anyone to cover him. Jack Martin, I feel there's plenty of players that could step up and fill, the, fill his absence. Yeah. He's, when he's in full stride and, and, uh, and, and getting 20-plus possessions, it's just known in the team as classy. But, uh, yeah, you're quite right, a Ruckman... Uh, when there's no real designated solid number two pushing for number one spot, you know. Uh, 
having said that, um, we, we, we a lot of teams are gearing up to have two ruckmen. So, you know, that's something to keep an eye on too. Uh, we may actually have a second ruckman in the team who can, you know, build their form up so that if wits went down. Anyway, I think we're going to run out of time. So Yep, we, we've, we go. It's, it's almost time to go. So just before we go, I'd like to thank our listeners for tuning in as always and thanks to everyone that's jumped onto our Facebook page, giving us a like and a follow. We're over 100 list, uh, followers, so that's just fantastic. Uh, you can jump on our Patreon uh, and help support us as our Patreon donors have. Old Soul, Jack's Dad, Paul Vosti, Tom Kim and James Wood over at patreon.com forward slash gcsunscast. Obviously, we're on facebook.com as well, uh, facebook.com forward slash gcsunscast. And if you missed the episode, you want to find a way to listen back to it, you can search gcsunscast at YouTube and check us out on there or over at SoundCloud and get the RSS feed to download it to your to your device, whatever you're using, and listen to us whenever it suits you. So to finish up, I'd like to thank you, Tom, for coming on board, and thanks thank to you. our listeners for joining in. Go Suns! Go Suns! Smoky Mountains, it's not just about getting away. It's about getting together to zoom across a zip line, splash down at water parks, shop till you drop, and say hello to the statue of our hometown hero, Dolly Parton. This year, discover the thrill of visiting the Smokies and reconnect with those you love the most in Sevierville, Tennessee. Learn more. Visit Sevierville.com. That's visit S-E-V-I-E-R-B-I-L-L-E.com. If you've been a renter, you know it's stressful to find the perfect place. But Zillow Rentals make it easy. They have filters for pretty much everything, so you can find a rental that's big enough for entertaining your friends, but small enough they won't crash all weekend. Find your sweet spot on ZillowRentals.com.